Welcome to Help From Future Self. Hey, y'all. It's another episode of Help From Future Self, a casual Keyforge podcast. My name is Scuzzy Gruen, a.k.a. Alex, and I am joined by my pal Blake. You might also know him as Boulevard Paper Fight or Coach. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Unfortunately, Rick can't be with us this evening. We're recording at a slightly unusual time for Help From Future Self because exciting news, Blake's on his way to the Grand Championships. Yes, Super excited. And so we're kind of going to be doing in a way like a two part episode this week. So you're going to get two episodes this week instead of just one, one to start off the week and one to finish off the week. Are you excited? I am very excited. Uh, getting a little bit nervous, but uh, that's just me starting to overthink. So uh, I think the fact that it's sealed takes the nerves out a little bit more because I'm not like stressing over which decks to bring or anything like that. Um, I got my sleeves already here in a box next to me. It says Grand Champ sleeves and they're all the same color. So I got to ask, what color did you go with? What's what's the lucky color? I'm going with the Dragon Shield Ruby Reds. Nice. That is a quality sleeve. At some point, we're going to have to do a podcast where we just talk accessories. Keyforge is yes. a game of so many different accessories, so many sleeves, so many tokens, so many everything else. We should have a little conversation in and around that topic just because it's a huge part of the game and not one that I think uh, gets like really discussed beyond just sort of very casually on most podcasts. But first... Some news, the Keyforge app, the official one, got an update this past week. Have you had a look at the new app? I did, yeah. I had a, a brief little peruse through it, and uh, it's really cool. I'm I'm, uh, I'm liking what they've added. I mean, it's it's not a, a leaps and bounds change. It's just a, a couple extra features, which uh, I think are really cool. Um, one of them being that you can uh, see your store locator like you could online now directly in the app, which is great if you're on the go traveling somewhere, find out where events are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm super into the event locator. Um, I just punched it in. It's uh, not in metric. So, uh, you know, there are events yeah. within 50 miles of here. But uh, <laughs> it did like it immediately latched on to Monday Night Keyforge, uh, uh, the one that we go to. It had the events listed for the next couple Sundays uh, over at Magic Stronghold here in Vancouver. So, yeah, it was really cool. Like it was one of those things where I'm like, man, if I'm on the road, maybe I will try and find some Keyforge events. Like I, I plan to do a little traveling around Christmas time and it'd be nice to jump in on a game here or there. Very neat. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, the events. The reason why they were so stocked for Magic Stronghold is because Brett did happen to uh, schedule all those. Well, uh, right before we started playing today, so it is it is uh, on the basis of the stores putting them into Gem and having them scheduled, and then it will automatically populate that into the app, which is fantastic if stores stay on top of that sort of thing. Indeed. Also, interestingly enough, if you're under the uh, organized play tab on the app and you hit Vault Tour, you can see uh, like the the if you're going through, you can look at the top decks in that capacity. And I think mm -hmm. that's super cool. I mean, yeah, those decks really are going to cool. get absolutely neck deck to death on the Crucible. Um, yep. uh, I imagine that the Snappy Pariah, which is currently listed at number one. Uh, at eight power with 11 wins and no losses is very quickly going to be one that you're going to be seeing if you play in competitive on uh, on the crucible but yeah that just a little neat invalid to stamp next to it <laughs> yeah exactly and you know if you see that name come up you know you're probably going to get smoked but i actually wouldn't mind playing against one of these decks just for the fun no, of it just neither. to see why not i mean if if it's something you could go up against and it's one of the best then you might as well know what you're up against right 
It's also one of those things, too, where I look at it and like the actual deck list, like it's a good deck, but it doesn't look absolutely insane on paper. It's got a lot of the tricks that we're, of course, familiar with from over the years from competitive decks and specifically the ones that have done well in competition, like the ones with sort of the, the big shadows and disc layouts. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I've beaten decks that have comparable lists before you know this one's probably super consistent and piloted by somebody who absolutely knows what they're doing but it's not Mm -hmm. insurmountable i mean i don't think any deck is really insurmountable at any day you could get a draw that really lends to your favor where you're not going two 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 ever you're always going three of in a house in one hand or a four of or five of even which really just helps you churn through cards faster and just get what you need to win so i mean there is that uh that variance that could occur in your favor always against a a better deck at the end of the day. Indeed. Absolutely. And also it is one of those things where it's like you learn so much about the game by playing against really strong decks, even Mm -hmm. in the hands of a less experienced player. I I feel like that's one of those learning experiences that you can't really undersell. Um, If you know what Superfly TNT looks like and you know how it plays, then at the very least you have an understanding of what you need to do to be able to counteract it, at least Mm -hmm. if you're actually interested in playing in that capacity. Speaking of getting ready for a big event, Sealed Triad is the format for the Grand Championships, but there was some confusion around that, was there not? Yeah, there was was that confusion of, uh, is this going to be a sealed where you actually get to read the deck list for this event? as opposed to the actual stated rules, which is you only ban based on houses shown. Well, let's let's clarify that for the listeners. So the ideal would be that you have three decks, Mm -hmm. you walk up, uh, you sit down across from your opponent in the round, and the confusion was whether or not they would get to look at the entirety of each deck list, or they just have to choose the one that they want to ban based on what houses are in it. Yeah, that's the confusion because the Archon version where you're choosing the decks you bring is you fully read all three deck lists and then based on that you choose which one you don't want them to play. Where the sealed version is you don't get to read the deck list, you just see the name basically in the houses that make up the deck and from that you must ban. It's super interesting to me because I think one of the, the, the fascinating things about it is that you know, uh, obviously the first thing you're going to look at is shadows or dis. Shadows or dis seems like it would be yeah. the obvious thing to ban. But, uh, you know, there, there's no guarantee in a sealed format that shadows and dis is anything, right? Like, you mm-hmm. could be a very weak shadows dis layout. It's so, true. So, I, I don't even know how I would choose in the scenario. What are you thinking? What's your philosophy when it comes to it? If you can't see a deck list and you just have to look at it and go, one of these has to go, you know, uh, what's it going to be? So, as I think if this is probably not as high up as you would think maybe for me like if like I feel like the disc it has a lot of question marks next next to it even though it is very good like for me I think personally the top three would would be potentially shadows disc and sanctum those three I think are very powerful uh, with logos very close behind like I feel logos like the logos in this set I feel is a lot more it has really good stuff but there is that possibility where it just doesn't mm-hmm. have anything mm-hmm. much more so than than in the the coda di- uh, logo side of things and same with this but the shadows i still feel would create that it has that greater steel but i mean i think it's much harder in this set because even you could get a really good mars lineup which would cause a lot of problems so i don't think it's as clear cut as if this was a call of the archons same style i think the age of ascension provides a little bit more to think about and you got to think about the synergies that could occur between certain houses as well. 
a hundred percent agreed. One of the things I was thinking about, and it's funny that you just brought up Mars, is that I've been seeing some absolutely stellar Mars play lately, uh, especially decks that are outfitted with the Age of Ascension. Mars has a very, very good toolbox in this set. The question mm-hmm. is, though, am I only seeing like the really, really super fly stuff that people are busting out in Archon? Like, are people likely to open really good Mars stuff in a sealed scenario? Chances are somebody will, but whether or not they recognize it and understand how to play it immediately so that it can actually be truly effective is another question. Maybe they're a person who spent a lot of time with Mars and automatically knows how to pick, you know, a a Mars deck out of, you know, two other decks to be able to say, yep, that's absolutely one that I want to play with. They'll certainly be at an advantage in a scenario where people are picking decks to ban because Mars generally, I think, isn't as much of a target as Shadows and probably Sanctum, as you're saying. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see how Mars does in the Grand Championships. And I'm very much looking forward to field reports from you yes. on how Mars does. Now, speaking about the Grand Championships and speaking about what your philosophies are, how you been getting ready for this, Blake? So um, I was on vacation last week in Vegas, and um, luckily I had some downtime in the evening after pool time. Before we were going out, uh, my fiance was getting ready, and I decided to take that time while she was doing her thing to jam a sealed gamer to which was good. I usually just played one or two a night if someone wanted to play, but it was more just to to just see new decks and see cards I haven't seen in combinations and things like that. And it's been, I've actually have a greater appreciation for sealed with on within TCO uh, strictly because I ended up getting one time a rats deck uh, play rats deck. And I loved playing it so much. Like it had, a, it was a Mars logos uh, shadows and it had, basically this amazing combination that i found and i was like whoa i really like playing this this is so much fun so then i instantly went into the secondary market and bought a deck that had a similar makeup i couldn't find the exact one i wanted of course unless i was willing to spend hundreds of dollars which for a deck that i deemed not super top tier but just really fun to play and maybe bring to a chain bound to mess with people um i found one and uh yeah i was i was hoping it was going to arrive when i got back so I could play it today at the chainbound we had, but it didn't. So uh, hopefully in the next couple of days it'll be here. But yeah, I, I just found that it's a cool way to experience different combos that you may not know about. And that's the whole reason why I did it was to see things that I may have not seen before. I'm not familiar with certain card combinations, the ability for combos that hadn't crossed my mind because I haven't had those cards together before. So uh, it was a great experience in that sense. And um, that's the whole reason why I'm prepping just playing sealed on TCO. But Unfortunately, the games are harder to come by because not everyone's uh, looking to do that. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely one of those things where Sealed is, uh, I really enjoy playing Sealed, but it's not something I always have time for because oftentimes the amount of time that I have to spend on the game, I really want to get in reps with decks that mm-hmm. I'm trying out, try different right. stuff. So, you know, I mean, I, I, I think from the perspective of just like you said, getting used to different kinds of decks, getting used to playing against different kinds of decks, getting used to the idea of how each deck is going to work in practice and how there are different combinations and different things out there is a really like solid plan for getting started in Sealed. I think that one of the big problems, though, with Sealed Online especially is that uh, there's always, uh, or no, I shouldn't say always, but frequently I've seen some big discrepancies in the power of the decks that you end up with in sealed. I've, I've, I've been handed some absolute garbage or I've been absolutely handed Superfly TNT and the game was over very quickly because, well, I had just the entire toolbox and my opponent had nothing. Yeah, I got to say that I agree. I've had the exact same experience. 
Um, I even streamed a game with Rick one time that he just decided to jump on for a Crucible and Coffee when I was doing Sealed as my practice for that. And I had this deck that was just ridiculous. Like the stuff I I did, it was like you can you can see it on the Crucible and Coffee. It was the episode twenty eight. It's just bananas. I was like, wow, this is actually happening right now. It's one of those things where I couldn't believe the way the cards came, and I literally locked out the game, not using anything dis. I just like the way my board state was was it was locked out, and I and I had one. I was drawing like five cards every turn, as well as not allowing anything to get on the board on his side. So mm-hmm. it was just gross, and. That's that's why it, I also like this though is this power creep because I've been on the other side of that where I have that really really jank deck that I'm like wow this deck just is not having the answers to anything that's happening and I think that's important especially when preparing for something like a triad where you must win with two of your three decks. I know that they spend a lot of time on development on all platforms right now and I certainly don't want to suggest that you know I know better than the folks who are putting in the time and effort and you know pro- let's face it like literal money like mm-hmm. into making all of the on more online platforms what they are but it would be so radical to add a feature to it that was literally like you can look at your desk deck list when it loads and you get like one mulligan on just pulling a different deck i think that would be a cool thing especially if both players can like you know agree to that oh that that would be a cool feature actually yeah, I mean, obviously, there's lots of scenarios in Sealed where you just don't have that. You know, you have mm-hmm. to play with the hand that you're dealt. But mm-hmm. still, I would like to see it. Yeah, that would be cool. Let's talk a little bit more about banning as a concept, because it's something that we've never really, I don't think, talked about. It's not something that you get the opportunity to do, except in this one very specific format. And mm-hmm. this is a very high stakes event, right? Like, it's literally the yeah. grand championships of Keyforge. Like, what's going through your head with it? Well, not being able to read a deck list is is interesting. And and I'm also going to be thinking about the banning side of like, what of my decks, like, like, I have to identify what of my decks is the weakest. And I think that's going to be the most important thing is like, I don't know how much time we have to actually analyze before we go in. Because I'm going to have to really be able to notice, notice what is going to win with each one and where weaknesses lie. And because I mean, it's the one format that exists where it's like, you have to win with two of your decks. So then you're also going to be like, you could get a bad matchup as well. So one deck may not win. And and I've honestly, like, I've played it one time and it was with an Archon version. And it was it was not easy. It was very mentally draining. Knowing your, the deck I did know very well made it easier. So this is going to be a marathon of a day because we're playing with decks that are not necessarily super familiar with. And we're going to have to learn how to pilot them. And you have to win. Like that, that concept, like no matter how bad your deck is, it's still got to win or you're out is really interesting. And I mean, you don't have to necessarily win right away with both decks. Like you just have to win, win one. And if you lose, you can technically not play without a deck and switch to the next one and see if you have better luck. If you notice there's a flaw in that one, I mean, you could always do that. So it's, um, it's pretty interesting concept, I think. And when I go to ban other decks, I think it's not just going to be, does it contain this house? It's going to be the relationship of houses that exist and, and trying to really use my own recollection of combos that could exist within things. Uh, specifically, not just Ember Control, but in in AOA, there's a lot more complicated things. Like Brobnar, for example, if, if in Sealed, a, a ganger-drummer combo could be really devastating, especially if you don't have a big board. Like There's so many things that could just suddenly appear out of nowhere that I feel that no house is truly ruled out in a way except for untamed i feel like is the one house that you kind of like 
okay, this this is this is the one that I'm maybe the least worried about, although it still has the threats because you could have a Heart of the Forest deck. You could have a, a cool like Glimmer uh, Nature's Call lockout scenario that just poses a problem. I mean, there's there's all these things, I but I still think Shadows is going to be the boogeyman because of the too much to protect aspect that could exist. So you and you don't know that exists. It's funny, too much to protect really has become that card in Keyforge right now. It really the is the one where it's like there's especially in the age of Ascension when there's so many ways that they, people are, you know, uh, uh, you know, we've seen the rise of a binite rupture yeah. interdimensional graft as like an archetype that people are playing heavily within mm-hmm. the game and i really do feel like it's one of those things where i'm like uh, you know a too much to protect is not only the best defense but it's also like it's it's disheartening to actually run into it yeah. as as a concept bit of a shorter episode but we're gonna have another one coming up later on in the week but we know that we can't let things go without doing our favorite segment help, help from, future, from self. future self blake have you got one for us this week i do and it's it's interesting this is like my my future self just keeps dropping this knowledge on me and it's it's a point that I've I've mentioned in the past, but I keep having it reiterated as I play. And it's understanding your deck and the v- different variances that exist within your deck and the different strategies that happen and go to your advantage. And when you don't get them, how that works. And that was demonstrated to me today when I played a deck that I identified as, well, let me talk about the deck. It's, it's a Gamma deck from One Stop Shop and it's a Fagan deck. The shadows in it is really great and you feel really drawn to the shadows, but it also has Dis and Mars. And this is the funny thing is that the Mars is actually the key to this deck, which is something when you hear Dis and shadows, you wouldn't think in Coda that that would be what someone says. But it is, is the Mars is when I get that really great Mars turn, it's what suddenly flips the game on its head. Part of it is it has a combat pheromones. So I get to use Mars on a shadows or Dis turn. And then it also has a Compod and a incubation chamber. So those two things allow me to prepare for that Mars turn and then have a one really great Mars turn. And that's kind of the way that the game has always worked when I'm playing is when I get that one Mars turn that comes out of nowhere, it really puts the swing in my advantage. And then it just allows the Dis and Mars things to do what they do. One, I've been storing things and getting them out of the way through archiving and just through being patient and not allowing it to to get in the way of the other dis and shadowsy things that happen and then as well when i do do it my deck is that much thinner and i'm getting more of the shadows and dis stuff that help me win the game so when i don't play to the to the mars like setting that up the deck always seems a little wonky because then i get the mars when i don't really want it where when i'm planning for it and i'm aware that i'm saving this for later or just playing a little bit now because i know that it's going to be more beneficial later it always works to the advantage so really identifying your deck's strengths and sometimes the order of the houses you want so sometimes you have a house that if you get it late game, it's going to really hurt you closing out the game or stopping mm-hmm. your opponent from being able to close out the game. And so you need to know that I don't want to get this later on. So I need to make sure I'm dumping it sooner now or cycling. Like you got to be very aware of your discard and board state and all that sort of things and the ratios that are left within your deck. So you don't get put in that compromising position of, oh, hey, guess what? If you go now to this house, you're going to basically get more cards and potentially not have to play it later. Or if you don't call this house, you're going to end up cycling through it and things like that. Like sometimes you're just in a, a, a burn and churn sort of mode because you're like, oh, damn, I haven't seen this one house that if I if they're on their third key and I get this house, I'm in trouble. So I need to start getting through my deck faster so I don't get those later. And that's one thing I, I really uh, found to be 
very helpful is being aware of what your deck wants to do and at what stage in the game it wants to do it and playing towards that. That is an excellent lesson. Blake, let me be the first to wish you good luck in your games this coming week. Go out there, represent from Help Your Future Self. We'll be back with a special bonus episode recorded live at the Grand Championships by Blake. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as Scuzzy Gruen. Blake, where can they find you? You can find me at BLVD Paper Fight on Twitter. I also just put my first article out on Archon's Corner. So shout out to the Wookiee for giving me that opportunity. And uh, you can also find the podcast on Twitter at HFFS Podcast. So uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. And thank you, Alex. Until next time, stay forging. <laughs>